0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. It's your host, with the most, Chris. I hope you all are having a fantastic day today. I am definitely at least having a good day. Got a lot of stuff that's going on in the sports world, NFL news and stuff like that. So let's hop straight into the episode. First order of business. The NFL playoffs, or not the NFL, I do apologize. The NBA playoffs have just begun this past week the I believe the Lakers played the play-in tournament yesterday. It was a crazy game. They came back and won. So now they're going to be facing off against the Memphis Grizzlies. That's going to be an exciting game and definitely going to be a very interesting bout between John Morant and Le- and LeBron James. So if you guys are excited for that one, I'm kind of excited. This is typically when I start watching the NBA, just because I mean it's kind of more of the exciting time in my opinion. That and the playoff race. Plus my Mavericks kind of got eliminated already. <laughs> So I don't have a lot of hope right now, but I mean, they have a whole thing going on, but that'll be another time for another episode once they kind of get that thing figured out. But if you are just as excited for the NBA playoffs to start, they just finished, the I believe they're still going to play the play, the playing tournament or they just concluded it. So that's going to be exciting to watch. I definitely will be watching those games when they, when they start going up and we'll definitely see what goes on from there. Next order of business. The NHL Stanley Cup playoffs are near. We're about a week or two away from the playoffs beginning. And the Dallas Stars, the Dallas Stars have just got home ice for the playoffs. I'm very excited for that. Congratulations. I believe right now they're at 106 points right now. They're like four. They're like fifth place, I believe. They're uh, they're behind, I know, the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, and somebody else and then it's the stars but they're like it's it's very doable it's very reachable to get up there and definitely you know climb the tiers of the playoff bracket to kind of get higher and higher so very exciting but congratulations to the dallas stars they're heading to the stanley cup playoffs and i'm very excited definitely gonna watch those games when they start uh, to my knowledge as of this recording i don't think they've released who they're playing yet i know they play as of this recording they're playing tonight against the the blues the St. Louis Blues, I believe, and they have not announced who they're playing for going into the playoffs, but I'm very excited to see who it's going to be because all of them are going to have to go through Dallas, and I'm very excited for the playoffs to begin, but enough NHL. I'm happy for my stars. Let's go get this championship. Let's go get the Stanley Cup. NBA playoffs are in full swing as well, so it's going to be exciting to see who's going to win the NBA Finals Championship. Now, to some order of business nfl news a lot of crazy stuff has been happening a lot of things have been talked about so let's hop straight into it topic number one for the day we're going to be talking about you guessed it the biggest talk of the whole offseason this year the baltimore ravens they have just this past week signed odell beckham jr what? now on a fan's note, I'm very excited that Odell got signed. I'm a big fan of Odell. I liked him in Dallas, even though he was a big headache every time the Cowboys played against him. I never liked playing against him, but I liked seeing him play. I definitely enjoyed, you know, kind of just the way he is and definitely has a big social media following. Big, big public figure. And now he just got signed after a year of not playing. He has been signed to the Baltimore Ravens on a one-year $15 million guaranteed contract with $18 million that can be earned in incentives. Now, what do I think? Like I said, as a fan of Odell Beckham, I'm happy he got signed. I thought, you know, he was very good when he was in LA. I thought the Cleveland Browns thing just didn't work out. But he, when he went to LA, he kind of showed who he can be. And, you know, as a fan, I'm happy. However, looking at this realistically, and kind of looking at this not in a fan's perspective, I don't like it. Because there's still one issue that the Baltimore Ravens still haven't kind of solved this whole offseason. They don't have a quarterback. Lamar Jackson still hasn't signed anything. And I'm not, I guess I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to build help around Lamar Jackson. But was Odell, Odell's been available for over a year. And, well, I say available, quote-unquote, last year because apparently he still had issues with his knee and he still was and they weren't even sure if he was gonna play, because I remember talking about this when the podcast first began, and the Dallas Cowboys were looking into getting Odell Beckham Jr., but obviously after he went through the tests and the you know, kind of the doctor's visits, and the Cowboys find out he might not even play this year and he might play next year and he wanted a long term deal. And I was thinking, no, that's not how that works, because you're not gonna help us right now. So we signed T. Y. Hilton. History goes. So now that the Baltimore Ravens signed Odell. Here's like my issues kind of with Odell, you know, not excluding the fact that I'm one of his. I'm a big fan of his. Let's look at this realistically. He hasn't played in a year. He's had two reconstructive surgeries on his ACL. He's just not a number one wide receiver anymore. Here's what I mean. When he was in New York, you know, athletic, fast, great hands. We all saw the one-handed Odell that everyone now tries to do, and he was great. And then the injury bug came in. Then he was, you know, it, it was, he was out and then he got traded to Cleveland. He was hurt most of the time in Cleveland, so it didn't really work out in Cleveland. Then he went to L.A. and kind of showed like, you know, it wasn't him that was the problem. But here's the thing with what happened in L.A. and the success he had in with the Los Angeles Rams. He wasn't a number one. And I think that's kind of something we need to remember. He was not the number one target. Cooper Cup was. He was the number one. Because... As we saw after Odell got injured in the Super Bowl, Odell, you know, he went down, he tore his ACL again in the middle of the game, which was very unfortunate because I thought he was on pace to have a really good game. Cooper Cup came in and took over and won MVP. So we have to keep that in mind. He was not a number one. Now he's coming into Baltimore, where on a technicality, I guess if you count tight ends as receivers, Mark Andrews is the number one wide receiver on that whole offense. Because Rashad Bateman got hurt, um, I be, I forgot who the actual number one ended up being at the end of the season uh, after yards and stuff like that. I forgot who they were. I'm blanking on their name. But they mostly relied on Lamar Jackson's legs in the running game with, GK, uh, with uh, J.K. Dobbins. And they relied on that and went about that route. So what I'm getting at here is that we need to keep that in mind with Odell. He's not a number one, and he's possibly being asked to come back as a number one wide receiver. Because Bateman got hurt. Nelson Aguilar did get signed uh, earlier in the offseason, but it's also like, I mean, eh, I mean, great because I know he kind of revamped his career in New England. I know New England fans were happy when he came in and, you know, he went off. But still, I don't think he's going to be enough to be a number one. I don't think or I don't think Nelson Aguilar is going to be good enough to be a number one wide receiver for Baltimore. I don't know if Rashawn Bateman will because he keeps getting hurt and we haven't gotten a big sample size. It's kind of like what's going on with Trey Lance. And now Odell's coming in, which we know in his past he can be the number one wide receiver. That's not what anybody's disputing, and that's not what I'm disputing either. I'm saying for the player he is right now, he's not a number one. I think if he had a good, like, a little duo or at least another number one wide receiver or at least someone that's good enough to be a a number one wide receiver like Cooper Cup was, then he'll be successful because he'll have a lot of one-on-one matchups. He won't ever have to worry about, you know, being double covered or possibly getting more injured or something like that. And he would ha- he would be a little bit more relaxed and he can get open and do what Odell can do. And we've all seen what Eld- Odell Beckham Jr. can do. But now he's coming in as a number one, with still the lingering problem of who's gonna throw him the ball. If it's gonna be Tyler Huntley or is it gonna be Lamar Jackson or is it gonna be Anthony Richardson if they somehow make a trade with somebody? Who knows who the quarterback is? And I think that's still the next problem that Baltimore still hasn't solved, is that Lamar Jackson's still not going to be on the field come this up, coming up this season. And I think that's the problem. And that's kind of where I was having the issue, not really signing Odell Beckham. I can understand, like, okay, let's get some weapons. Congratulations, you're the front office, and you're revolving around you're, you're revolving your offense to be good enough to keep up with Lamar and actually set him up to be a good quarterback. That's what you're supposed to do as people in the front office and ownership. That's what you do. Congratulations. You've done every you've done a job all 32 teams need to do. Pro- my problem is the contract because they just gave Odell at least a good chunk of money, I believe out of most of the if not most, all out of all the wide receivers that got signed this offseason, he's gotten the biggest contract with the possibility of getting $18 million in incentives with 15 million guaranteed coming in. And to me, it's like, why did they do that? And why are they still haven't paid Lamar Jackson if they just gave a wide receiver who had two reconstructive knee surgeries, hasn't played in a year. And I've seen the workout videos just as much as everybody. You know, he looks good. He looks fresh off the injury. Problem is, he hasn't played in a year. That's kind of the realistic thing I'm looking at it here, is that he has not played in a year. He has not gotten tackled or any kind of contact from from a DB, a linebacker, Whoever, whoever plays on defense has not tackled him in a year. He has not played in a year, and he just came off a second reconstruction surgery. So that's my, that's kind of like my thing is that why did they give him so much money? Now, I can understand like obviously season tickets, because that's kind of a big thing in an organization is that you got to bring in people, you got to sell season tickets. Who's excited, you know, who's going to be excited to go see Rashad Bateman, which is like still a toss up if he's going to be a good wide receiver. Who wants to go see Nelson Aguilar? But if you bring in Odell, that's definitely going to draw in some money, you know, and definitely going to help them in probably season ticket sales, probably jersey sales. They're going to they're going to make money. That front office is going to make a lot of money just off Odell's name alone. But they still don't have a quarterback, which is the one problem they still have not figured out or solved. And there's and I believe Lamar Jackson, as of this recording, still hasn't signed the franchise tag. He's still, you know, he still requested the trade. He still may not even come back. So we're not even sure if he's going to play. So now you're going to have to go into go into backup mode and go with Tyler Huntley and we saw what the offense looked like without Lamar Jackson. They were not very good. They were luckily they were ahead enough and by the time the end of the season rolled around when Lamar got hurt to still make the playoffs, but we saw how that worked out. Now, I can't see however that if the organization is trying to show Lamar that hey, if you if you want all this money, we can't bring in talent See what happens when you kind of, you know, give us a friendly deal. We can bring in more talent around you to help. Which, I guess, if that's going to be their case and that's going to be their fighting argument and drive for Lamar Jackson, then all to you. Then, obviously, you guys are working on a bigger brain than all of us. But Lamar Jackson still earned his money is more of my issue. Is that he at least deserves some kind of payment. You know, and especially if they want to make it team friendly and long term, I think they can make they can make it work. Because clearly they can because they have money, because they just gave Odell Beckham almost $15 million in guaranteed money with a possibility of $3 million extra on incentives. Now, let's see what they can do and pony up and give Lamar Jackson at least something that'll help him out. Now, do I think that Odell coming in is going to possibly persuade him to come to, back to the organization? Maybe. I think, I think maybe because it gives him at least a little bit of hope that now he has at least competent wide receivers. He's not working with Third string, uh, third string wide receivers, uh, injury prone, uh, young young wide receiver, and a bunch of running backs, and that's all he's working with, and a really good tight end. Now, hopefully, with Odell coming in, and if, say, for the sake of argument, Lamar Jackson does play and he comes back and signs the contract, Lamar, then Mark, you know, Mark Andrews is definitely going to have a lot of weight taken off his shoulders since Odell's going to be able to come in, probably open up the field more, and definitely take off from there at least offensively, but. I still but the st- problem still is that we are waiting to see what happens with Lamar Jackson. That's what I want to know is what's gonna happen with Lamar Jackson are they just gonna end up trading him? is someone gonna offer him any money? I know that right now uh, as of this recording, no one's offered Lamar any kind of money so now the Ravens are still kind of in power like I said a few episodes ago is that they're the ones in the driver's seat and now that no one wants Lamar Jackson because no one wants to pay two hundred thirty million guarantee or two hundred fifty whatever he was asking now. You know, he's kind of it's stuck where in whether he takes less money and goes somewhere else or, you know, comes back to the Ravens and we're gonna have to see what happens. But at least they're gonna help him out a little bit, even though they're even though Lamar hasn't signed the contract and he's kinda playing a little bit of hardball to see if he'll come back. But congratulations to Odell Beckham Jr. and you know, coming back and hopefully he can stay healthy and help out the Baltimore Ravens. And if Lamar Jackson plays, it's gonna be a great offense to see him. Uh, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson if he comes back, and then great running backs. That's gonna be a pretty, pretty scary offense, at least on paper. As long as Odell can stay healthy, they can make it work. All right, next topic. This Hey everybody, I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, One Guy from Italy on University. One guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally I go order the house zone is my favorite. And also, they have been voted to have the best cow zones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy from Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now, let's get back to the episode. This is kind of more of an interesting thing that I kind of heard about and saw. We we're talking about the man that's, I guess he's losing his mind. I don't know what's going on with this man. Cam Newton. He has recently, I believe last week, he came out with a list of NFL quarterbacks, he is willing to back up. So he's willing to back up Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Tua Tungavailoa, Malik Willis, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen. Now, what do I think about all this? Cam Newton's delusional is what I think of what's going on here. Because The first thing that came to my mind, or at least when I first heard about this, is that those are the guys he's willing to back up, which means any other quarterback he has not mentioned means he can beat them for their starting job. And I don't agree, because he cannot beat Patrick Mahomes. Hands down, he can't beat him. Even 2015 Cam MVP could not even beat Patrick Mahomes on his worst day, by far. Just just comparing those two alone. Patrick Mahomes, in the first three years he started, or four, Now going on four, he's already gone to two Super Bowls, two-time Super Bowl MVP, won two Super Bowls, and he won an NFL League MVP. Cam Newton only won one League MVP, and he only went to the Super Bowl once where he got absolutely spanked by the Denver Broncos defense. Von Miller was just all over him. And that's what I'm thinking. This is where I'm at with this whole situation. This is why I think he's very delusional because he's not better than Patrick Mahomes. He probably will never be better than Patrick Mahomes. Even when he came back and tried to play in New England, he still was nowhere close to good as Patrick Mahomes. When he came back about two two seasons ago, wasn't that good either. That's where I didn't understand where he thinks that he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Another name that came to mind was Dak Prescott. Now, this past season wasn't great for Dak, but would I take Dak or Cam Newton? I'm taking Dak Prescott. I'm sorry, but I like Dak way more than I like Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton being twenty fifteen Cam, he was great. He was phenomenal. I liked, you know, I liked how he played his game. But now I'm still gonna stick with Dak. I'm sorry. I'd rather go with Dak. I think he's a better he's definitely a better passer right now than Cam Newton is, even though his weird pro day video thing that he tried doing at Auburn, I still would rather have Dak Prescott. Another name that wasn't on the list Trevor Lawrence, who is a young quarterback with a lot of upside and we saw it last season when the Jacksonville Jaguars actually put in a coach that was competent and was willing willing to work hard to make this team work in Doug Peterson. I still would take Trevor Lawrence over Cam Newton right now because he showed a lot of upside and a lot of growth this season and I believe they won the division and they won a playoff game after being down 27 to nothing came back and won the game against the Chargers. That's another t- that's another quarterback, Justin Herbert. I know I have my little indifferences with Justin Herbert, but I would still probably take Justin Her- uh, Justin Herbert over Cam Newton right now just because he does have a- he does have upside he's young and he can get it done. I think that I think that Cam Newton would not even come close to him either. Another name that wasn't mentioned, Joe Burrow, who went to the Super Bowl his second year with a bad offensive line and made it to the Super Bowl and almost won the Super Bowl. And now they're and now the Cincinnati Bengals are probably one of the AFC teams to beat this to beat probably going in the near future. I would not pick Cam Newton over Joe Burrow. I'm sorry, Joe Burrow is just way too good. Coming out of LSU, we all kind of expected this, and he took a team with a bad offensive line all the way to the Super Bowl. He owned Patrick Mahomes for at least the couple years he played him up until this year. You know, everyone was making the joke about Arrowhead being Burrowhead. Joe Burrow is just way better than Cam right now. And that's at least a couple of names that off the top of my head, I would still pick over Cam Newton. A couple of problems I have with the names that he listed. Uh, Malik Willis is not even a starting quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is going to come back to Tennessee and take over the starting job. So he wants to be the backup to the backup quarterback. To the backup quarterback. He'd be third string. That's why I didn't understand where all that was coming from. Another one is Anthony Richardson. I'm not, I'm personally not sold on Anthony Richardson. I don't know if he's going to be any good from what I saw, at least in college. I did not think he was going to, he should be a first round pick, but apparently he's going to be. So if he wants to try to back up and be a mentor to him or CJ or Bryce, okay, I can, I can get behind that. Like that's fine. Then if you want to be a mentor and all that, but to Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields, okay, sure. I don't really know what's up with that. Who knows if Lamar Jackson is going to come back to the Baltimore Ravens, so that's still up in the air behind Josh Allen as well, which I guess makes sense in him and Aaron Rodgers. But I still don't understand where all this came from and why he thinks he's still better than a lot of teams. Actually, one name I left out, Sam Howell from the Washington Commanders was another person he said he would gladly be a backup for. And I didn't understand that either because he only played one game And it was at the end of the season for the Commanders because they were all fresh out of quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, I don't know what happened to him. Taylor Heineke was injured. He was just there to be there. And they said, you know, we need a quarterback. End of the season, go nuts. And he wants to back up him, and it's not even a guarantee he's going to be the starter. So he's just back in the Malik Willis situation. You can't, it just doesn't make sense to me, and I don't understand why he's being this delusional and why he's I don't know if he's just trying to be like that person like that's trying to stir the pot or what's going to happen or you know if he really believes in himself that much which I'm all for confidence like if you're confident in yourself great but there's also you got there's a time where you got to be realistic with yourself and that's sadly what Cam Newton is not doing right now and the funnier thing is that everyone was kind of trashing on other people that Cam, you know people were calling Cam Newton just a regular quarterback and even though he said that he's better than thirty-two of the quarterbacks in the league right now, which doesn't make any sense either. And my next problem I had with this whole thing that he said was that Cam Newton doesn't have a job. He's not in the league. Even though if he somehow thinks he's better than Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Dak, Patrick Mahomes, whoever he thinks he's better than, and he still think and he thinks he could take their job, the newsflash is that he's not even in the league. He's not even a backup quarterback. Anywhere, as of as of from my research and kind of what's been going on, no one's called him. There's been no reports of anyone reaching him out, reaching out to him. I know he keeps going on podcasts or whatever, saying, "Well, my phone's dry. No one's hitting me up." It's because you're not that good anymore. Like, I'm sorry. Even if if it was 2015 Cam, you may try maybe try to get him, but it's not 2015 Cam Newton, and that's the problem. Because if it was 2015 Cam, I bet a lot of teams would be calling him right now. But it's not. Not even the desperate quarterback needy teams like the Colts, the Texans, or the Panthers are even calling them back. Not even Ron Rivera, who is with the Commanders right now, who coached Sam Howell, didn't call Cam Newton either. Because he knew from from now is that he's not that great and he's not that quarterback anymore. And now, and now Cam Newton wants to be very picky on where he wants to go, which is what I'm not understanding. Is that... You know, you don't have a job. You want to get back in the NFL, but you're being, you're kind of being picky. It's kind of like, kind of like when you, you know, you you either got laid off or you quit a job or whatever, but you come around and say, like, oh, I'm, I'm open for work, but I only work here, here. I'll only work a manager spot at a high corporation or I'll only be a CEO, executive, whatever. Buddy, you don't have a job. I think you, if you need a, if you really need a job that bad, you will take anything that comes to you, at least any kind of opportunity. Now, if he handled it, a, like kind of like, well, hey, you know, NFL GMs, I'm still here. I'm, I'm fresh. I'm healthy. Let me throw for you guys. Try out. You know, see what you guys like, and I, I'll come in. I'll be a backup. I'll fight for the backup spot. I'll be third string, whatever. I'll be a mentor to the young guys. I think this would be a, I think that would have been a whole different, uh, you know, whole different avenue that would have opened up for Cam Newton, and he probably would have at least snuck his way back in the league, but. Calling everyone that's a starting quarterback in the NFL a random saying that I'll only back up a handful of quarterbacks when he doesn't even have a job and kind of Implying that he's better than Patrick Mahomes Dak Trevor Justin Joe It's just it's just delusional and I think that his ego is at the point where it's so big that he doesn't realize that he's Ruining any chances he has trying to come back into the league now We'll have to wait and see if anyone even is interested. I don't think anyone will be. Because if I was an NFL GM, I I wouldn't be. Because there's younger quarterbacks coming into the draft that you may want to bank on. There's people right now that you, if you want them, you can definitely go get them. Lamar Jackson, great example. He's still available technically. I would go that route over Cam Newton. And if you already have your franchise quarterback or you're going to stick with a person long term, you don't need to go get Cam Newton. And we'll just have to see what happens. But... This whole Cam Newton thing has been kind of a mess, and I think he kind of just sabotaged any hope he had trying to come back into the league or even having a remote chance, to even, even getting a simple tryout. Because he had his pro day thing at Auburn, but no one's been calling him. He's been saying that no one's hit up my line. Well, I'm sorry, Cam, but you're not as good as you were or as great as you were. You know, rookie of the year, MVP, Super Bowl appearance, you're not that quarterback anymore, and... I think he kind of just ruined any kind of chance that he had trying to get back in the league. Next topic for the day, the Philadelphia Eagles. We're trying to talk about the Eagles out in the NFC. So they apparently, it has been reported that they have an offer on the table for Jalen Hurts for a seven-year, $345 million contract. (laughs) Now, do I like this deal? I do for Jalen Hurts because, I mean, I've liked Jalen Hurts whenever he was in college, when he was first at Alabama, then he went to Oklahoma, did really well. And I I was pretty excited for the Eagles when they drafted him in the second round, and he kind of came in behind Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz gets benched for Jalen Hurts, and he takes over the offense. And just seeing what, you know, at least how high his ceiling is last season, because he got to the Super Bowl, he was probably one at least good drive away, maybe a minute or two on the clock in the Super Bowl from possibly winning the Super Bowl, and he, you know, he took that Kansas City Chiefs offense to the limit. Nick Sirianni definitely set him up to be great. You know, he's developed, he's changed since he, when he first came in the league. You know, mentally as a leader, physically, we've seen how you know how buff he is, how stronger he got for this offense to work. Now, is it going to be worth seven years and three hundred forty-five million dollars? I I think so. If they're able to get this contract signed. Here's why, because what we're seeing, and at least kind of in rotation here, and kind of what we've noticed a pattern is that the NFL organizations that take a while to sign these long-term contracts, or at least get this negotiation thing going, or even just signing them, end up regretting it. Big, a great example was the Dallas Cowboys after they after they gave Dak the long-term deal and whatever. Now they're realizing we should have just paid him earlier because we would have saved more money. The south, the ceiling for quarterback pay was all definitely a lot lower, and they probably would have got him at a cheaper price instead of you know holding out and holding out and you know Dak betting on himself. And then obviously we saw what happened in twenty twenty, broke his ankle, and then we were completely not great without Dak, and they had to give him they had to give him the contract. And you know they paid Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott before Dak, which was not a smart move. I Think Amari Cooper when he was still there, he got his contract before Dak, and, and the Cowboys admitted that well. You know, we probably should have gave Dak a contract before probably those two guys. And then now we're seeing it with the Baltimore Ravens. They offered a deal, a three-year deal, which wasn't what Lamar wanted. And now we're seeing that what's going on in Baltimore is that Lamar Jackson wants a trade. He may not come back. And they're hoping, you know, maybe they can fix it or maybe with Odell coming in, you know, he can sign the franchise tag, whatever. But we're seeing the pattern is what I'm getting at is that when organizations take too long to sign their franchise quarterback, that bill is only gonna get go higher and higher. The only team right now that I could think of that didn't do that was the Kansas City Chiefs. At least in recent history, because the Kansas City Chiefs have you know they gave Patrick Mahomes that ten year deal early on to make sure they solidified a quarterback. And in the long run, it, sent, it seems like a lot of money, but in the long run, it ends up being a really really good uh, family friendly deal because they can still bring in people. They can still try to pay Travis Kelsey. You know, and any other players are coming in. They, they mean apparently they draft really good running backs. So what I'm getting at is that they did it right. They solidified their starting quarterback, their franchise player, the face of the franchise, possibly the face of the NFL right now, and they signed him to a long-term deal. He's not going anywhere, at least for a long time. And that's how Kansas City did it. So that way they can avoid having to pay him outrageous money. Because imagine if. Patrick Mahomes right now was waiting to get a contract like Lamar Jackson. That he, you know, he would be floored to find out that Deshaun Watson got two hundred thirty million guaranteed. And if he didn't get, a, at least he didn't get a good deal. I know he would come back and say, "I want a Super Bowl. I got an MVP. I've gotten a lot better stats than Deshaun Watson, and I didn't get a check. I'm gonna round up the bill." So the Kansas City Chiefs did it, played it smart, and they played it right. Because now these other organizations are seeing that maybe we should have just paid our, player, our our starting quarterback earlier, so that way this whenever the ceiling did go up, they didn't have to worry about it anymore because they they already paid their quarterbacks and let's move on. So now it's the turn for the Philadelphia Eagles. So should they give them the uh, give them at least this long term deal? It seems like it's family friendly. I believe it's like forty nine million a year. I think so, just because it's gonna help. At least in the long run. And they can always restructure the contract within the next couple of years or a little further down the line. They can always restructure Jalen Hurts' contract to at least if they want to keep Devontae Smith or they want to keep A.J. Brown or any or Darius Slay or anybody else they want to keep. They can go that route. But if they want to solidify Jalen Hurts and not, be, not tell him to bet on himself again, I would try to get him to sign this contract now. So that way they don't have any issues down the line. Because imagine the Philadelphia Eagles tell Jalen Hurts that, no, we want to give you another year and see what you can do. And he has another great season. Now the bill is just going to go up higher because Jalen Hurts might not be a nice guy and say, well, I'll wait and hold out, you know, and, you know, try to work with you. Because he may come back and say, hey, I got you the Super Bowl last season. We did really well this season with a little bit less players. And even the season before uh, this before this one, before they went to the Super Bowl, when Nick Sirianni first came in, he had a way less talented Philadelphia Eagles team and got them to the wild card. They got their butts kicked by Tampa Bay, but they still made it to the playoffs with less. This season, they had a loaded roster, and Jalen Hurts was able to get them to the Super Bowl. And then we saw what happened whenever he was injured and Garner Minshew Garner was in. I mean, he had a great game against Dallas, fine, but then he blew it against the Saints. And they saw what they were without Jalen Hurts. Because that offense does revolve around Jalen Hurts. And especially his accuracy at throwing the ball. His legs are a big reason why they were so successful. And now it's probably time to at least kind of give him at least some kind of deal. Or at least start talking about it. I know this is like one of the ones that was reported was a seven-year contract. And as long as they kind of get that figured out right now then they won't have a problem later on because, like I said, they could always restructure, they could always figure something out, and especially if they want to keep their wide receivers and they want to keep their quarterback compared to maybe other teams who may have a bigger salary cap and can afford Jalen Hurts, I would get him right now. And it doesn't seem like Jalen Hurts wants to go anywhere. He loves it in Philly. He loves Nick Sirianni. He seems like he wants to stay and he wants to be the face of the franchise there in Philadelphia. So I would definitely try to get him right now before the market goes up any higher or before anyone wants wants some more next topic for the day speak hey everyone I just want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce our next sponsor goldmine collectibles Mine collectibles is a local Lubbock store located right off of 50th Street and University mine collectibles sells a variety of things such as Funko Pops wrestling figures Pokemon cards comic books and more as an example that i bought from goldmine collectibles is this awesome cody rhodes double or nothing championship figure that they had in the store and if you guys see the funko pops that i have right behind me some of them are actually from goldmine collectibles They're ever in the market for funko pops comic books pokemon cards wrestling figures and more make sure you guys head on over to goldmine collectibles thank you guys for sponsoring today's video and now back to the episode Speaking of the nfc east the new york giants today it has been reported by Adam Schefter that Saquon Barkley is not going to sign the franchise tag. I'm a little shocked. I am and I'm not. Actually, let's go with that. Because on one side, I'm shocked that he hasn't signed it because, you know, I would think he would. On the other, I'm not. Because we saw who just got paid in New York. Daniel Jones. And personally, I was on the fence of he shouldn't be getting that kind of money. He shouldn't get $40, 45000000 a year for three seasons because he was not the reason why they were so successful. Saquon Barkley was. He had 13, uh, 1,300 re- uh, rushing yards. He had, I believe, over 13 touchdowns. He had a great season coming back off an injury. When Saquon Barkley is healthy, that offense is just absolutely unstoppable because he's a really good running back. He's great out the backfield. He's a great receiving back. He helps Daniel Jones kind of get the weight off. So, And then earlier this offseason, Daniel Jones got his money after whatever the heck happened with the reports of him wanting a lot, and then he got the three year forty million dollars. And I didn't think he deserved it. And now Saquon Barkley might not might not play. I believe he said that I believe it was reported that he will not be doing any kind of offseason activities with the organization until they can finish the negotiations. Now, do I think that he will sign the franchise tag? I think he will. I think like he'll just sign it so then hopefully they can work something out next season if it takes too long. Because I think that's the one thing you don't want to do. Especially if you're a running back right now. Is you definitely don't want to try to hold out. I know Zeke did it and he came back after he got his money, but look how that worked out. And we've seen that pattern as well. We've seen running backs who hold out and try to get the giant, the giant bag and then they weren't good. Zeke Elliott was a prime example. Alvin Kamara has not been that as much as productive as he used to be before he got the big contract. So now with Saquon Bar- Barkley up to bat on this paycheck thing, hopefully they, they can figure out at least some sort of deal, because I personally would not want to lose Saquon Barkley because he does help that offense out so much. Especially since they didn't have any good wide receivers last season. Who was the who was the workhorse of that offense? Saquon. And because he was the workhorse, it set up Daniel Jones to be super successful. I'm, I've talked about it in other episodes before that he, you know, Saquon is the reason why Daniel Jones has been so successful. And now, if he doesn't play or if whatever happens, I they're gonna take a step, a giant step back because Saquon is that that one game-changing factor. He's the one, you know, exciting player that the New York Giants are very happy to have, especially drafting him. And kind of looking at his uh, Penn State teammate, Miles Sanders, who just went to Carolina, you know, he knows he's better than him, but yeah, Miles Sanders got a contract. I believe Saquon Barkley didn't fumble the ball all season. Miles Sanders had a big fumbling problem with the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's what I'm getting at, is that he should have, I think he should have gotten at least paid first before Daniel Jones. If anyone deserved that kind of money, it was going to be Saquon Barkley. Now, if they're worried about the injury situation, Because he needs to stay healthy, and he's a running back. He's gonna get banged up a lot quicker than probably Daniel Jones will. Then they then they have to figure out at least a deal because he doesn't want to play under a franchise tag because he doesn't. You know, it's not good. It's not top paying money. I think he'd be like the eighth highest uh, running back paid this season, and he knows he's worth more because he knows that he was definitely the workhorse of that whole offense. Because without him, that offense can't run. It's it's not gonna run itself and they don't i don't believe they don't have another they don't have a, a backup running back like the Kansas City Chiefs did with Pacheco to come in and replace him and help him out now i am worried if he does hold out and he decides not to play we're going to have a Le'Veon Bell situation because we all saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell with the Pittsburgh Steelers is that you know he held out to try to get a big contract and it didn't work then he went to the Jets and he fell off the face of the earth at least in the NFL earth no one's heard from him since he was Going all over the place. I believe he was with Kansas City for a little bit, but that didn't work. He wasn't the same running back, a uh, dynamic running back, as he was in Pittsburgh. But I think the difference in Pittsburgh was that they still had at least decent wide receivers. They still had Ben Roethlisberger on the uh, on the roster. He didn't retire yet, so they still had at least some sort of like players that can help out. In New York, it's really just Saquon or bust. And that, in my opinion, now that they have Darren Waller, it may help a little bit, but still Saquon Barkley just takes over that offense he takes over the running game and when he is healthy and he goes he's unstoppable even as a Dallas Cowboys fan that's always my biggest concern is that if we can't stop Saquon Barkley it's going to be a long game if we stop Saquon then they're they're out because there's they can't compete if Saquon's not doing well and I think that's going to be the biggest thing going into this upcoming season is making sure Saquon stays because if he doesn't we're going to have a problem at least they're going to have the issue of what are they going to do because they I don't think they have another good running back I don't know what uh, I don't know what pick they have in the first round but I don't I don't think that I mean if they want to get B. John Robinson to possibly come in and back him up or in case Saquon doesn't come back they would have him to come in but that would have to be a necessity thing and that would have to probably be is a, if Saquon is really dead set on not coming back, which I don't advise. I don't advise him not coming back because you don't want the same thing that happened with Le'Veon Bell to happen to you. So I do think he will come back. I think that it's not going to be one of those I'm going to hold out situations. I think he will return to play. If it, if it goes all the way into June and it's time to sign the franchise tag, he's going to say, all right, I'm going to sign the franchise tag, but if I come back and, you know, just you know, just own it again. Get th- get thirteen hundred plus yards. You have a big game. Have a lot of big games. Help us get to the playoffs. That bill is gonna be even bigger. And it's kind of like what I've been saying. This pattern: if you wait to pay these people, these players that are really, really helpful, that bill is only gonna go up higher and higher. And that's exactly what you don't want as an organization. But in my opinion, I think the Giants paid the wrong person. I think this is a different. This is a situation of they should have known who they should have been paying first. I understand Daniel Jones is the quarterback, but I I wasn't a big fan of Daniel Jones when he even got drafted in the first place, and um, I still don't I'm still not sold on Daniel Jones either way. He had one great season. Don't get me wrong; he had a great season, but with Saquon Barkley back there helping him out, Saquon should have gotten that money. So I'm going to end on that note, just because it just kind of frustrated me a little bit that Saquon didn't get paid, and now he's gonna now he's gonna kind of play the villain a little bit, but. As he should because he was he was the reason why that team was so successful all right final topic for today's episode we're talking about the arizona cardinals man what a mess are they what a mess that they're under but this past week has been reported that six teams are interested in trading for the number three pick in the draft i was a little shocked whenever i first heard about this just because i didn't know that many teams were interested in getting number three now Why do I think that maybe some teams might try to go get number three? Because there's a lot of QB needy teams that need number three. Because I don't, Carolina's not giving it up. They gave up way too much to even try to give up the number one spot. Houston's definitely not going to go anywhere, and I don't, who knows what they're going to do, because they may get a quarterback, they may not. I think they're stupid if they don't, but that was last episode. And then you're sitting, Arizona's at three. Here are the six teams I I don't from what I try to research, I couldn't see who tried to get the third number three pick. But here are my six teams that I think uh possibly reached out to them. Number one, Indianapolis. They're right behind They are right behind Arizona, and I think that they want to trade up to at least get the quarterback that they want. Whether it be Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, I think they're probably leaning more towards Will Levis. So I guess like in case anything happens, they want to try to get Will I believe they're four or five? They're one of the two, but they're they have a high pick. They have a top five pick, but if they want to secure that quarterback that they want, then they're probably going to try to at least move up to try to get them because they definitely are a team that needs it. Because Sam Ellinger wasn't the answer, Matt Ryan was definitely not the answer, and Nick Foles wasn't the answer. So they definitely need help at quarterback, and they're going to try to get one as fast as they can, or at least try to get one of these top top quarterbacks during the draft this year so i think indianapolis was one of the teams that went to try to go talk to them at least try to see what they want the next team atlanta reason why i say atlanta is because they might need a quarterback too because i don't know if they're completely sold on desmond ritter i know they said that he's going to be the starter but i mean they kind of shipped out marcus mariota already and it kind of seems like they're on the fence a little bit unless they want to go get a defensive player unless they want to go get will anderson or Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson unless they want to go get one of those and try to move up to solidify that they're gonna get them That's really the only reason I could see them trying to get number three because I believe they're a top ten If I remember correctly or they're a little bit or they're past ten I'm, I'm blanking on the numbers, but I know that they they're probably gonna need either need another quarterback in case Desmond Ritter doesn't work out They do have another one or they're gonna to try to go get a top defensive player in the draft next up Seattle I heard a lot of rumors about seattle possibly trying to get anthony richardson to sit behind geno smith and the reason why is because they signed geno smith to a three-year extension earlier this offseason but who knows what might happen to him and they might want to get at least get their quarterback for the future give him a couple years to learn behind geno smith now personally i wouldn't want to learn behind geno smith because he has not been successful since last season or last season was like probably like one of his most successful years in his whole NFL career and he was a backup for a very long time so I don't know if that's kind of the way to do it but having Pete Carroll there he'll definitely help out Anthony Richardson because I believe they're they were more really interested in him I know there's pictures on Seattle's Instagram and all that that they were talking to Bryce Young see I believe they talked to CJ they talked to Anthony Richardson so it seems like they're very interested in Anthony Richardson so you know, just to be the, the quarterback for the future. And then they have Geno Smith, at least the mentor room, kind of show them what's going to happen and go that route. I am shocked because I know they were projected to get Tyree Wilson. I believe they have like the number eight or number nine pick because they got one earlier. They got they got it in a trade. So I know that they're, they're kind of projected to at least get a good player. And I thought they were just going to land with Tyree Wilson and take him and go. But they may want, they may want the number three pick. So that's another team I had. Possibly try to get him. The fourth team I have is the Las Vegas Raiders. Here's why. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's a game manager, but he can win. He's a winner. I'll give him that. The problem is that he's injury prone. He's been injury prone his whole career. In New England, he was injury prone. It, with the 49ers, just last season, he got benched because he hurt his foot. I believe he hurt his foot or his hand. No, it was his hand. So he hurt his hand, and Brock Purdy took over and basically kicked him out. And I know he had already had a shaky relationship with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers front, uh, front office. Now he's in Las Vegas to at least kind of help out, you know, since Derek Carr left the Saints earlier this offseason. So I think the Raiders would try to go up to number three because they can go get their quarterback for the future or get the backup. Because that just in case Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't work out or he possibly gets injured. Because I think that's the biggest scare, in my opinion, about Jimmy Garoppolo is that if he's going to survive this season. So... The Raiders would definitely be another team that to look at in case they want to get another uh quarterback to at least back up Jimmy Garoppolo. I know I think they were a little bit more sold on Will Levis than Anthony Richardson. So they may try go get they may try to go get him and move up to solidify their quarterback and go about it that route. Next team, number five, the Tennessee Titans. Here's why. I think the Tennessee Titans are in a rebuild mode at this point. Because they traded away A.J. Brown and they got Trey Burks, who was not great. They're looking to trade Derrick Henry. They've already announced, I believe, when the combine was going on, that they were looking to trade uh, Derrick Henry out. And Malik Willis wasn't great. He just wasn't. He got benched for Dobbs, who was the third-string quarterback. Ryan Tannehill's not getting any younger. Last season kind of showed after he got injured. So they may want to go get a quarterback, too. They may want to try to go get Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. You know, because they're definitely going to need at least another quarterback for the future in case Ryan gets hurt again and they don't believe in uh, Malik Willis. I kind of said this at the end of the Tennessee Titans season, is that I think that, you know, how uh, Malik Willis played and kind of just how everything worked and Ryan Tannehill not helping him out, it just doesn't look like he's going to be at least a starting NFL quarterback, in my eyes, from what I saw at least a few games he played. I just I wasn't sold on him. He was barely able to throw the ball. Derrick Henry was the one who took most of the. He rushed most of the time, which is I mean in theory it should be great for Malik Willis because he would have a great running back to open up the, the passing game. But he also didn't have good wide receivers. Robert Woods wasn't great. Uh, Burks wasn't great either. So I think just that Tennessee Titans offense did not set him up su- to be successful. But I also just don't think he was. He looked that great. It was times where he had he rolled out too much. You know, he got great arm strength, don't get me wrong, but there were times where I was just, no, I'm sorry, I just wasn't sold on Willis. And then Dobbs had to come in. I think Dobbs kind of gave him a chance to try to win the try to get in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. And, I mean, they didn't end up making it because the, the Jaguars did. I believe it was them and the Jaguars are trying to win the division. So Dobbs did better than Malik Willis did. And Dobbs was a third-string quarterback. So I don't think that the Titans are sold on Willis, I think, uh, anymore. So it's going to be probably between him and Ryan Tannehill, but I think they're going to try to go get another quarterback just because I think they're in that rebuild mode. I don't know how much longer Ryan Tannehill can go at this point just because, I mean, he got injured. He hasn't been looking as great, you know, this past couple seasons. So they may want to possibly look into moving on from him and get another quarterback to see if they can at least fix the damage and start rebuilding. Last team I think that co- that contacted the Arizona Cardinals, the Washington Commanders, because they desperately need a quarterback. They only have Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. Both of those guys were backups. Jacoby Brissett, I know he was, a, and he had his whole thing in Cleveland when Deshaun Watson was gone, and it kind of worked out. And he's kind of been a journeyman ever since, or ever since like the New England days and all that. He was in Indianapolis, all that. And I just, I'm not, I was, I'm not completely sold on Jacoby Brissett. At least helping. The commanders right now. I think that maybe if they try to go get a quarterback, I don't think Sam Howell is going to be that great either. I think he had a little potential, but it was also the end of the season and he was playing a Cowboys team that was not on their A game. So I don't. I don't think those two quarterbacks are going to be the right answer for the commanders, especially if Ron Rivera is going to be on the hot seat coming up this off because I know there's been like rumors and speculations that he might get fired. You know because he hasn't done that well since coming to the commanders. So how do you fix that? possibly going to get another quarterback because there's they they have a great team don't get me wrong they have great wide receivers and uh Terry McLaurin Curtis Samuel they have great running backs they can use they have a dominant front seven that is just way too that's just unstoppable they have a they have a little bit of a setup team i mean maybe a little bit more help on defense maybe linebackers or secondary but other than that they have a they have a decent team it's just that they're probably going to play in one of the hardest divisions coming up this season cuz obviously the Cowboys aren't going anywhere Especially if Dak, if Dak changes it, this uh, kind of flips it around this upcoming season and does great. They're going to have to deal with the Cowboys. They're going to have to deal with Jalen Hurts and the defending NFC champions. The Giants got Darren Waller, so it's not, probably not going to get any easier. So the Washington Commanders are going to need a quarterback to, uh, that can at least keep up with these teams. So I think that they're going to try to get number three as well. It may be on draft night. It may not be. But I do think the Commanders are probably going to be trying to get the number three pick. So that way they can at least either have either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, or they can at least have a competent quarterback that can help, or if they want to build anywhere else. I don't really see why they would want to build anywhere else. But I believe they're, in the, they're like in the late teens for the NFL draft, so they're not going to get a quarterback unless they go with someone that's probably going to be more in the second round. But as of right now, that those are the teams that I believe that, are, that reached out to Arizona for the number three pick. Will Arizona trade is probably up in the air. The only realistic one I can see is maybe if Tennessee wants to give, if they want to try to get also DeAndre Hopkins, because I know Arizona's looking to ship him out. So definitely getting Deon- shipping out DeAndre Hopkins will get him out the door, and then they can fig- and then that'll be Tennessee's thing, and then they get extra draft picks, and then pos- and then they get the third pick, and they go all about it that way. That's really the only team I can really see that can give up at least enough to kind of get the trade going. Because I really don't see Seattle giving up DK or Tyler Lockett or Kenneth. Definitely no one on defense because they're not going anywhere. Indianapolis, if they want to possibly trade one of their offensive players, but I highly doubt it. That's the whole reason why they're trying to get a quarterback. So I really don't see them trying to give up like Michael Pittman Jr. or anyone like that. Washington, if they were comfortable trying to give up Curtis Samuel or Terry McLaurin or maybe one of the defensive seven but I really don't think that Arizona would want that. They may just want to go with Will Anderson or Jalen Carter and just save money that way. So Tennessee is really the only team that I can see realistically, at least kind of having a at least having a good a good foot in the door for the draft because they can always try to get DeAndre Hopkins and then give him a couple picks and give them probably the first round pick and maybe a couple handful of others and at least get. An actual number one wide receiver because I know that's the one thing that they're lacking right now is a true number one since AJ Brown has left. And then, you know, kind of figuring out what they're going to do from there and if they want to, you know, get another wide receiver in the draft and try to, you know, undo what they did with Burks or build their defense. However, Tennessee wants to go about it. But I think that they're going to be probably the best team, in my opinion, that are going to probably have the best shot at getting number three. Will Arizona take it, though? It's going to probably be. Up to them and, you know, whatever these teams can offer. But already, everybody, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you guys follow me on all my social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And um, this video will be up on YouTube. It'll also be up on Spotify and Amazon Music. The dr- NFL draft is only two weeks away, everybody. So that's going to be very exciting. Probably in the next episode or the or the week of the NFL draft, I will be doing Kind of my mock draft. Who do I think is going to get drafted? Who do I think is going to go to? What team? Maybe a trade. Who knows? But I'm very excited, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.